Today, I'm blessed and honoured to be in Sydney with a lovely friend, Sana Pirantun, who is an amazing clairvoyant, spiritual healer and coach. Sana and I actually met a few years ago through a communal friend, celebrity chef Kate McAloon, and we always have so much fun when we're together. It's so lovely to see you, Sana, and welcome to Wellness Spring. Thank you so much for having me. Could you please explain to our listeners what you actually do? Yes, absolutely. It's been really a wonderful thing to be in your presence. What I do is I'm a clairvoyant, which means clear seer. And I'm also an empath, which means that I can feel or sense what's going on in your body. As a coach, my vision for my clients is that they can actually have the skills that they need to continue to develop uh, their personal relationship to spirituality in their life to the best way possible, in the most integrity way possible. So a lot about what I have to do is, is remind people who they are, first of all, and then we move into who they be, which is universal consciousness in physical form. As a clairvoyant, I'm able to ascertain what is a good direction for an individual to go in. But unlike some psychics, I'm not forcing them to take my heed. Rather, they must understand that we live in the land of choice and they can decide which direction that they need to go in for their own personal growth, for the highest good of all concerned. As a empath, one of the things that I'm so blessed to be able to do is feel inside a person's body a blockage. And it's, I tell you something, it's remarkable. I still get completely blown away that I'm sitting next to somebody and I can actually feel what is going on in their body. It's something else. And um, it's not a worry for me. It's, an, it's a curiosity for me. And so I share that with them. I explain the block or the hip issue or the head issue or the jaw or the teeth. It's quite remarkable. And they're usually signs or indications of where a person really needs to go to work. And so things like, let's just say I might feel somebody's left lower rib. Now you think, what does that left lower rib have to do with anything? At first, I used to think that a long time ago. And then all of a sudden, I realized that the left lower rib had to do with relationship to women. Perhaps a mother, an auntie, a sister, a lover. And all of a sudden, I knew exactly where we should go on top of their clairvoyance in order to assist that person for their mm, expansion. And consequently, a person is empowered to live their life in ways that are quite remarkable. At least that's my opinion. Wonderful. Wow. When did you first have the first experience? Oh, that's a really good question. I wouldn't really know exactly when that happened. But what I can tell you is that I fell in love with spirit when I was six. And I knew that there was something odd about, about that experience. It, was, um, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a pleasant experience, so to speak. It, wasn't, it didn't make me feel like I belonged. It made me feel like I didn't belong. 
But in 1972, my folks decided to start meditating. And um, they took me to do TM. And so at that stage in 1972, I started a, a, a meditation practice, which isn't necessarily the fix-all for everything. However, it assisted me to get, dive deeper and deeper and deeper. So my meditation practice has been quite extensive for a very, very, very long time. So that developed more, how do I say, a, a greater communication with the unseen in my life. But I work with light. I'm not interested in all the, the scary stuff. I'm really not. That's for other people, other practitioners. I certainly understand shadow, and we've, of course we have to go there, but not the, the, the stuff that confuses people. Is that of some value? I didn't really answer your question. I'm sorry about that. No, that's fine. That's perfect. So um, when you say TM, I'm assuming for the benefit of the listeners, you mean transcendental meditation. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. Yes, of course. Yes. And yes. would you, how old were you then? And would you I like was to 12. explain a bit? Yes, I was 12 years old. They gave me a mantra and they said, don't share the mantra. And as a rebellious 12 year old, I thought I'm going to share my mantra. And so I shared it with everybody much to the people's unhappiness. But I did that because I, w I believe that everyone should be able to meditate. And so over the years, um, I've shared other mantras with people. And I'm not saying TM's not a wonderful thing. TM has its place. It absolutely does. But, but I feel that meditation, excuse me, I feel that meditation is a wonderful thing for everyone to have. So I kind of see meditation as an opportunity to go into silence and speak to spirit, which we all are. So why would I want to stop that? And when you say spirit, could you please elaborate on that? Absolutely. So a lot of my training came in uh, the form of metaphysics. And the old metaphysics teachers from the last turn of the last century, not this century, so in the 1900s, um, explored this concept that we were manifestations of God realized in form. And the more I studied that, the more I realized that this actually rang completely true to me, that we were um, and as a child, this is how I developed it. I couldn't really understand it. So I started my study soon after I started meditating. And so I really was studying metaphysics from probably about 14 onwards. And how I made some sense of it is I used to say, it's like a, a, a hair follicle, a hair on a body of God. So I imagine myself to be a hair on the body of God. That's, that's the only way I could think about it. And now today it's quite a phenomenal thing because if we get a hair from somebody with a little bit of a nodule at the end of it, we can actually collect DNA from that. And I can actually form that person through that DNA. So that's exactly the metaphor of God. So what we are is spirit in form, spirit or God consciousness in form. When we realize that we are, we are able to create, not just through imagination, but through love, through, um, through the awareness of this incredible golden 
um, awareness. We can create things in our life, even if it doesn't look like we're creating anything. We create wonder. We create innocence. We create you know, union to the land. It doesn't have to be stuff that we create. It can just be this awe and this joy of life. And that's part of what the experience that I have had uh, in this I amness, in this creation of spirit in form. So there were great teachers that I studied. And one is like Joel Goldsmith. He's an, a beautiful uh, metaphysical teacher. There's others. For example, Florence Govelshin from a long time ago. She was one of the ones who's, who really worked with the law of attraction. Um, uh, you know, I studied with some of the other great teachers who, uh, who really embodied these, these awarenesses. And I dived deeply into it. And I just kept diving and diving and diving. I call that leaning in. You're leaning into, I don't know, so maybe I should find out. So we lean into that, I don't know. And at the further I leaned in, the more scope there was. There was more to adventure. There was more to learn. And there was more mm, fecundity of spirit in me, you know, this fertile ground. And that's what I find about my clients. This is exactly what I offer them. Going back, you said you had this experience when you're six. Did you tell your parents and were they mm. open for that? Mm, or? That's an interesting question. Wow. Um, no, I think that they just thought I was very different. I thought that, I think that they considered me to be very, 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 very quiet. And I was very quiet because I was listening, I was feeling, I was, I was going there. But as a, as a six-year-old, in those days, we went to church. And I would sit in the front row and I would try to find out things. And I would ask the preacher, the minister, at the end of the church service to tell me something. And he would pat me on my head. I would hate it because he was trying to placate me. And I'd go, no, 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 I want to know, I want to know. But that caused me to, uh, to, to read the Bible, not that I feel like I uh, have anything to do with that necessarily, but to read the Bible in literature and to understand biblical times from a historic perspective, which actually was part of my study as well, as well as Buddhism, as well as Hinduism, as well as all of the, the ancient religions and philosophies that assisted me to dive even further into what spirit was in form as a play, not as a burden. You talked about religion. Is it okay for any type of religion to come Absolutely. and see you? Absolutely. I've had many different... I, uh, I've had a lot of Buddhists. I work with people in Japan who are Buddhists. I've had um, people who are definitely Christians and even born-again Christians, which would be contrary to popular belief, but they have come to see me. And um, certainly I ha used to have some Hindu people that would come to see me from time to time, but they're quite challenged by that. So religion isn't really something that we uh, see as an obstacle because spirit is spirit. Yeah, I know over the years as a Reiki master, 
um, some clients, Catholics for example, they say, oh no, we can't um, come and see you, we can't mingle with that. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be good for the church. I think that that is a, a very strong possibility for them if they're afraid. Fear doesn't help in a healing process. So if you come to see a healer or clairvoyant with fear, not really a, a, a good environment for that person to receive all they can. However, it is my understanding that there were laying of hands in many, many places in the Bible. Um, my experience also is that as we deepen and widen in spirit, the third eye begins to open quite naturally and we can receive transmissions through our hands, um, also through our ajana, our third eye, and we can find ourselves becoming more attuned. So we may have a disposition of being open and attuned, but what happens is through a continual a spiritual practice that can develop even further. And so one of the things that I often say is that Jesus or Yeshua was absolutely um, a healer. There would be no reason why he wouldn't have been a healer. Would he have been a seer? Absolutely. He would have had to because he would have been connected to all aspects of energy. And energy is what this world is made from. We are energy. Everything is energy. And so that's how I see it anyway. Well, I totally agree as well. No, Even good. like we're blessed um, yes. to be here in Sydney and sitting mm. in this lovely home and yes. the lovely wooden table yes. and beautiful bamboo gardens yes. outside, you know, and we are energetic beings. Absolutely. And when you go back through time and you look at all the tribes, they would have a spiritual guide or the grandmother would yes. be given oral information mm -hmm. and passing on the messages so yes. I believe that um, you come from an ancestry from the Mapuche people of Ma the Ma Mapuche, the Mapuche, Mapuche people of South South Chile. That's my mother, uh, my, my grandmother on my mother's side was Mapuche Indian and my grandfather was Peruvian which on my mother's side which is very big it's a big story. Um, on my mother's side, the Mapuche women were primarily the shaman or the medicine people or the wise women in those communities. So many of them would offer plant medicines and I imagine that many of them didn't offer plant medicines but offered um, spiritual counseling, so to speak. This is a very strong tribe. In fact, the story goes that when the conquistadores arrived in South America, in Chile, the only group of people that were able to hold them back were the Mapuche. And so today, when you go to South South Chile, there's a great, um, well, in Chile, there's a great regard for the Mapuche people. And I'm very, very, very honored to, to have that as a part of my lineage. But my father's side also has remarkable lineage in that um, my grandmother's way, way, way back, uh, they were American people and she was the first tried as the witch in Salem. And I'm happy to say she got off, but she probably was a seer in her own right as well. So yes, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful gift. 
So do you think you've inherited these gifts from your ancestors? I do. I definitely think that I have a disposition, but I think many people have a disposition of this kind, whether it's from England or from Africa or whatever it is. I think a lot of people have the disposition, but in my particular case, I actually grew it. I actually made a concerted effort to continue to, as I said before, lean in. Great. And <laughs> I'm honored and blessed to oh, meet you. Yes, I'm honored and blessed so, to meet you. The lovely celebrity chef Kate. Oh, yes, absolutely. And beautiful Kate, who's a wonderful friend of both of ours. Um, she's in, in Hawaii at the moment, which is where I was raised. So um, she's in Kauai. I wasn't raised in Kauai. I was raised in the island of Oahu. And that place really held my learning as well. And I was interested in chanting and basically the um, earth lineage and um, the understanding of the um, powerful goddess energy of Madame Pelly there. Uh, she was very interesting to me. Um, I think we would describe her as a Kali energy here today, and that's the creator and destroyer. I was quite fascinated, quite terrified by her, and as I grew, I quite found her to be mm, in alignment to the directional energy that I wanted to go in, the directional energy of continuing to understanding the understanding of living, the living word in us. Fantastic. And when did you start your business? Ah, oh, that's a very good question. It was, it was a, we were just discussing this, my daughters and I, um, because what had happened was I was doing this for free for a lot of time, um, well and truly before I started asking for money. And um, it, was, it was as if people would just come over to my house and start talking to me. And the day would go by and I'd think, I haven't got anything done, this is ridiculous. And I'd studied a great deal. So this, this, is, this is, I've gone to many workshops and studied extensively. And what happened was my eldest daughter, whose name is Matisse, she sat me down one day uh, with her sister sitting next to her. And she said, Mom, this is ridiculous. You need to start creating an income from this. And I was in so much challenge about that. I was feeling so mm, afraid. But it's my mission, you see. It's not just a job. And I thought, she's probably correct. So she was about 14 years old. Um, and she's 30 now, so that would be 16 years ago that I started doing this for work, for money. And the money changed things radically for me, and it changed radically for my clients as well. They were more disciplined, they were more organized, they took it on more as a practice, uh, they went off and they understood the value of what I'm doing. So it's been wonderful. Fantastic, because you mentioned earlier about you feel as an empathic, yes. like the left rib and so forth, and I'm sure a lot of people would be a bit nervous or freak out, oh my God, she's seen this or seen that. Yes. How do you deal with that? Well, as you can see, and unfortunately your, your people can't see me right now, I try to be very gentle about things, and I also try to be very conscious um, 
about the fears that they might experience. And so I often say to them, how are you feeling before they start? And if they say, I'm really nervous or I'm very fearful, I say, just look at me and feel my presence first. And I'm not going to hurt you. I'm certainly not going to say, you know, abandon your children and run for the hills and do this, that, and the other. I am going to say, however, the truth as I can see it, um, but it doesn't have to be abrasive and aggressive, and it has to be held in the frequency of love because that's the master healer. That's how, how I see it anyway. Oh, yes, absolutely. Love conquers all. That's right. <laughs> so how do you get your clients? Where it's at, the, at the present moment, it's word of mouth. Um, we have to do more PR and more marketing in the future, but at the present moment, I'm very busy, and it's all word of mouth. And I have an international clientele, and people hear about me in Japan, and people hear about me in Canada, and you know, in really interesting places like Wisconsin, you know, and, and in England, and it's, it's quite crazy. I'll get, you know, little, you know, emails from all over the world. Um, Brazil, you know, saying, I want to have a session with you, and I'm deeply honored and touched by the fact that conversations about the work that I do you know, hit everywhere. I don't have anybody in Africa at the moment, but that could change. And I don't have anybody like in Siberia, but that could change too. Fantastic. Um, what would typically a session look like? A session would look like um, in the beginning. It depends on the type of person that comes to see me, whether they've had any spiritual experience or not. Um, if they have had no spiritual experience, we have to go very light on and we have to start feeling where there is a conflict. And one of the things that I've discovered primarily is the conflict can often arise in the disconnection of the individual to who they are, not who they be. They be is universal consciousness in physical form. Who they are is who they are in the physical, in the physical plane, or what we call the masculine frequency. Okay? And so what we have to do is we have to join them back to who they are. Because many people come to see me because they don't understand what love is. They don't understand who they are. They haven't got their mission. They haven't got their purpose. They haven't got um, a vocation. They're disconnected to their family, their lovers, their job. And they become quite... Um, sad about that. So in some cases, I have to perform what I call spiritual triage, meaning first we just need to stop that energetic bleeding. And that's done through gentle, gentle love and kindness and through little bits and pieces of uh, conversation, sharing, and uh, giving people a map of how to get through that. Then what happens is that many people come back to see me. So a lot of my clients are quite regular clients, meaning they come once a week or twice a week. Some come once a fortnight. Of course, there are, are many who are permitted, and absolutely I, I appreciate it, who only come to see me once, and that's just wonderful. And oddly enough, they're still fans. And so those people who come to see me once, I'm going to give them everything I can possibly give them 
in that one session as I would with anybody who comes to see me many times. Um, and so the ones who keep, come to see me extensively do so because they want a practice, a method of learning and growing. Fantastic. Uh, how long is a session? A session um, can be often from 60 minutes to, uh, well, I've got a, a few who are going to two and a half and three hour sessions, wow, which is a pretty, lot of work. Pretty intense. <laughs> Very intense. <laughs> and these ones are often regular clients. Wow. Yes. So they're every week. Well, that's brilliant because it shows a sign of trust as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. And do you have any success stories that you may like to share with us? I have a wonderful success story that I can share with you. I've got many success stories. Um, so, so many that just thinking about it makes me emotional. Because so many people's lives have been remarkably changed because of their practice. But one particular client that I've been working with for probably about 11 years, she came to see me and she was a lawyer and she was wearing a twin set and pearls and a beautiful little diamond ring and she, she may or may not even had a headband, but she was very emotional and very unhappy with her job and her life. And we started working together and then one day she said to me, I decided to paint something and I said to her, would you show me? And she said, yes. And she showed me a painting that she had done. And I put her telephone down and where the photograph of the painting was. And I said to her, you know you're an artist, don't you? At which time she burst into tears. Yep. And what happened was I said, you must begin to study. You really must. So she did weekend workshops and she did this and that. And then finally she said, I think I want to go to university to study. I said, what a wonderful idea. So off she goes to university to study art. And then she decides to do her master's. So as she's doing her master's degree in art, she, she's still coming to see me and it's wonderful. And she said, I don't want to finish my master's. My guides told me to tell her she must. So I said, I'm really sorry to tell you, you're more than welcome. We live in the land of choice. You, you don't have to finish, but I'm suggesting that you do. It is an instructions I'm giving you that you must finish your master's degree. At which time she said, okay, I'll continue. And every week she was saying, are you sure? Are you sure? She finished her master's degree. And as she finished her master's degree, the most remarkable thing occurred in the show for the end of the year every one of her pieces of art were sold. Every single solitary piece. Wow. And she was approached by four different um, agents and companies that, to represent her work. And then one step further from that, she's been offered a one-man show, an international one-man show. And she came to me and she said, you know, I couldn't have done it without you. And I smiled and I said, yes, I I'm so grateful for that. She said, because what I paint is spirit. And I said, I know. So she now is an independently uh, beautiful, wonderful artist. And to see her and remember who she was when she came to see me, and to see her today, she is in, in her body. She is beautiful. 
She has long blonde hair. She is a free spirit. She laughs and giggles. She has her music and her art, and she is offering a dimensional kind of art to anyone who sees it, and it's magnificent. So she's one of the many, but on other scales, I've worked with people who are, for example, reporters for you know big networks, and they couldn't have a relationship with uh, a stepdaughter, for example. And in the work, so simple, we created a ritual for her, the stepdaughter, and the stepdaughter and her, maybe six or seven years later, are bosom buddies. They are. They support each other, they love each other, and at that period of time, it was a, a catastrophic relationship. There was not ever going to be anything, but through the, the miracle of spirit, m majestic things, things that are almost unpredictable, arise as a matter of fact. And I have seen it, oh my goodness, over and over and over, and I have people repeatedly, because of their practice, I'm just holding the space, say things like, I could not be the person I am without you. The thank you notes, the support, the loving kindness that I receive on a regular basis is, I tell you, humbling beyond me measure. That's wonderful news. It is wonderful news, because they then pollinate their world they don't just stay in a, a cocoon situation. They go into their world and they pollinate and they, they expand their wings and whomever affects them and they can affect those people as well. And so some of my people have become healers, um, who I work with psychologists, some of my psychologists have developed a global platform to heal the world. Um, some of my people have become founders of companies um, that affect, that moral uh, foundations will affect the world in remarkable ways. It's just, I don't know, it's just a gift. It's just a gift to be a part of it. Well, it's wonderful. You know your mission is to help people yes. and you're attracting these amazing people that yes. are making a difference to our planet. That's correct. And you talked about us being energetic beings and ev we've just approached um, 2020. Yes. And there's a big buzz about how there's going to be a huge shift energetically. Yes. What is your take on that? Okay, well, the 2-2 energy um, is a phenomenal energy. Um, the 2 as in the, uh, the 2000, and then the 2 in the 20. This is the divine feminine number. I call this a soul energy. Um, uh, the way I look at it is it's the trunk of the tree. Okay, The root ball of the tree is the divine masculine, and that is the number of 11. The trunk of the tree is the 22. And that is the she energy. And I spoke a little bit about Madame Pelly and a little bit about Kali. The thing that I've experienced um, with the 22 energy is that uh, the Mary Magdalene, or we know her name to be Mayu, which is beloved. The Mary Magdalene energy is a very strong person. She isn't a... Uh, an, a gossamer goddess, as we have always imagined the, uh, the divine feminine to be, but rather she is the grounded mother. She is strong, she has a strong voice, 
and she has a benevolent heart. My feeling about the 2-2 energy of this year is that we must choose to embody both aspects of, of her. Um, the strong voice, the determined way of being for the bigger picture, the motherly energy that says we want mm, to look after our community, our home, our community, our world. Um, but we also do so with determination, with um, clarity of mind, with um, in 